0: Hey, Emily. Hey, Greg. So we're in the bowels of Mandalay Bay. No, we don't use the word bowels anymore. We are in the innards of the... Mm, Ma- mm, mm. Try again. We are in the bottom part of the Mandalay Bay. We're going to work on this. And uh, we're in the room where all the players did the interviews during the NHL awards. Um, and uh, also, uh, we are uh, d- d- doing a little podcast here, right before we head off to the NHL draft uh, in Vancouver. And, uh... How's Vegas been for you?
1: You know what, Greg? It's been fun. I miss <laughs> Vegas. I spent so much time here last season, and, you know, you always leave and be like, I'm good not coming back for a while, and I hadn't come back for a while, and I think I'll feel the same way the next day, but it was a great event. You know, you're a veteran of this. I've never been to the NHL Awards, and you were like, you got to come. You should come, mm-hmm. and I did, and I see why everyone says that. The All players right. are a little more relaxed. Mm-hmm. They show their personality a little mm-hmm. bit, and uh it's just a good time. It's an excuse to get out here.
0: It's a very good time. We're going to get into why it's a good time. We're going to get into what chews me off about. We're going to get into interviews with both Victor Hedman and Mark Stone, you know, because you want to hear from the losers. We know that. (laughs) All that and more on this edition of ESPN on Ice. Let's start the show proper, shall we? From the ice to your earbuds,
1: a podcast about hockey, featuring things to do with hockey.
0: From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on Ice with Wyszynski and Kaplan. It's ESPN on Ice. It's the podcast for ESPN Talks About Hockey. I'm Greg Bershynski, senior NHL writer.
1: I'm Emily Kaplan, national NHL reporter.
0: And as we do this podcast right now, we're listening to the dulcet tones of Frank Saravelli, a former ESPN on Ice guest, doing uh, his spots for TSN. And I mentioned Frank because Frank had a bit on the show tonight. It was awesome. In which he uh, put over the PHWA as the organization that votes on most of the awards. And I got to admit, I think we got him pretty good this time.
1: We did. I have to say, so the first thing that everybody does when the awards come out is look at the votes and who did what. Mm -hmm. And there's one award that I voted on that I regret. And I feel like I didn't do the best job on, and that's the caller. And I'll, I'll say it right now as it's my male couple. Please. I voted Eliash Petersen, mm-hmm. uh Peterson mm-hmm. as the number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no problem there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I believe it's Bennington second and Darlene third. Okay. And then here's where I have big, big regrets. Oh, firstly, I wanted Mira Heiskanen. If I look back on it now, he should be above Darlene. Okay. I, I agree on that. Uh-huh. I have Brady Kachuk number four and Heiskanen number five. Okay.
0: But Heiskanen was on your ballot. Oh yes, he was. And that's the real pickle for that award which is that third I think it's 38 people didn't have highkin on their ballot. That's bad. I don't even know how that happens. No. I mean that is super it's, super bad.
1: It's almost more embarrassing than the two people who voted Marcus Peterson because either they thought Marcus Peterson was <laughs> one of the best rookies or they confused him with Elias.
0: The, I think I think it's probably the latter. You got two fifth place Well, I don't know, man. Like if they confused him with Elias, I don't think they would have given him a a fifth place vote. I
1: mean, let's say. Gens let, no. Gens no. Gens
0: no if you voted for Marcus Peterson. Um <laughs> So the call, okay, so the, the night began with the Calder, Pedersen wins it.
1: And when we're talking about personality. Yeah. I think he changed the narrative about himself. All year long we are talking about him as being a little surly, a little robotic, mm-hmm. he's kind of been Helius Pedersen, death stare, he doesn't get along with the media, and he goes up there on this platform and gives a shout out to the late Jason Botchford. Right. The columnist from The Athletic, yeah. about what a great man he was, and it was just so humanizing for both of them.
0: It was really a, a poignant moment, and, and, and one that uh, I didn't expect to hear. Um, and it was beautiful. And I think that Botch is going to be really remembered when we get to the draft. The Athletic's doing a big uh, uh, celebration of his life on a, uh, Thursday night uh, with all the proceeds going to his family. So that's going to be a really touching time. So very good on him to mention that. And a, a nice speech, like you said, humanizing him a little bit after <laughs> He was so surly and had debts there as well. It was just, as,
1: honestly, it was a season where
0: we just made him a caricature. <laughs> yeah, well, I think he helped to that end. Uh, also showing a little bit of personality, uh, once, uh, a, a future, uh, guest on this podcast, Sasha Barkoff of the Florida Panthers.
1: Oh, you love that, didn't you?
0: Getting up on stage to, this is the beauty of this, these awards, okay? He gets up on stage to accept the Lady Bing trophy for gentlemanly play and immediately, <laughs> puts down his entire fan base by noting that there are more fins in the audience than Florida Panthers. Fans. Spin
1: zone. Maybe he's just trying to give a big shout out to the, me
0: spin zone. He's accurate. I mean, <laughs> Florida Panthers fans probably not traveling to see their boy win the Lady Bing. I'm, I'm going to guess, but really funny moment. I mean, does play into the narrative of, you know, they don't have a lot of fans, but that's not a here nor there. Really nice guy, humble guy. And uh, had you'll some, hear
1: him on the podcast next week. you we'll
0: hear him on the podcast next week. Also, after the uh, awards, had some really nice things to say about Capococco. Mm. who uh, actually broke his scoring records over in Finland. Um, and uh, he's, he's, he said, you know, he's aware of how good he is and that occasionally he still has to Google his name to remember that he's only like 18.
1: Oh, I thought he was wondering how many P's and K's are in it. <laughs>
0: well, after writing that Jack Hughes-Capo-Caco thing that's going to publish on Thursday, I had to do that myself a few times. Mm-hmm. Definitely screwed it up more than I got it right. You know right. was my
1: most embarrassing uh, note from the NHL playoffs? What's that? Covered Boston Bruins all four rounds. Mm-hmm. Still can't
0: spell Matt Krizlik. Oh, I'm not even trying. Like, once it became apparent that he was going to be in the news a lot, I just shortened it to Grizz, like Briz, like Rizgoloff. I didn't even care. Um, but speaking of the Bruins, Don Sweeney wins general manager of the year. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's probably because, I mean, I don't know when the voting's done, but, I mean, the, the Charlie Coyle deal, I guess, worked out all right in the end. The Marcus Johansson deal was a good aggressive. They both but, like, worked out very well. But, like, you know. In the playoffs, they did. But, like, he he won. He got... Um, he edged out Doug Armstrong, who edged out Don Waddell, who edged out Doug Wilson. And I mean, like, I, I don't know, unless they're doing this voting at the beginning of January, you'd figure Doug, Doug Armstrong's gonna win this award. Yeah. For having put together the team, having aggressively fired his coach, having, you know, gotten Bennington up there. And, and, I mean, I, I just think that maybe, look, the bottom line is that in some cases, Bennington and the Calder, Armstrong with the with the the, the GM of the year baruby you can argue maybe with the Jack Adams like we all look like a bunch of idiots sure uh, and by that I mean n- not us because we only voted for one of those awards um, I, I don't agree with the idea that the postseason should be a, a part of the awards process because I think you know it's unfair to the players that, whose teams didn't make it sure but it, it does kind of make us look silly when like Don Sweeney wins GM of the year and he got beat by the guy who finished second for the Stanley Cup. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so congrats to Don Sweeney. That was very great for him. Um, Kucherov won three awards. He we took home the Art Ross, which he won, obviously, for points. Won the Ted Lindsey uh, for Player of the Year uh, as the uh, uh, NHLPA. And, of course, won the Hart Trophy. And, like, not only won the Hart Trophy, but, like, just smashed, like, curb stomped the competition on the Hart Trophy. And Nikita Kucherov, if you didn't see it, got 164 um uh first place uh, I guess it's po- uh, votes, yeah. Um out of hundred and seventy one. Yeah. Uh Sidney Crosby got three, uh, McDavid got one, Gudrow got two, and then McKinnon got one. But 164 hundred and sixty four first place votes is a route. And for that's the heart trophy.
1: That's incredible. Yeah, I would. I'd love to see the Ted Lindsay numbers. Do they release those? They don't, because that's by the players.
2: That's by
0: the players. For I'm the players. Sh- I'm sure it's it's right. <laughs> by the players. For the players. Uh, foo... Fu- fu- no, I'm not uh, going to try it. So, um, the the voting for the for the heart was pretty straightforward. Um, my ballot, I I had Ryan O'Reilly. Okay. Um, way higher. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I might have had him third, and I and I was one of maybe only two voters that put him third. Yeah. Um, I was surprised that he finished behind Bennington, to be quite honest, with you, because Ryan O'Reilly was really good throughout the entire year.
1: And Bennington that, has such a small sample size. Yeah. So
0: that was the only issue I had with it, other than obviously like McDavid being in the top three. you all know my feelings about not making the playoffs and being a Hart Trophy nominee. But uh, but the right the right guy won. Um, and again, like if you could factor in the postseason, maybe don't give the heart to the guy who got suspended after Game 2 of a series in which his team was down 0-2, but that's neither here nor there. Congratulations on the heart trophy. The There's
1: trust. nothing here nor there these days, but one of the things that I know you were really looking forward to was John Cooper getting up there and having to give a speech for the Jack Adams yeah. Award. And it felt like towards the end of the year, there was this late push for him being mm-hmm. like, guys, what are we doing? We understand that Barry Trotz smashed expectations in the Islanders, but mm-hmm. this guy has led a historically good team without any blips in the regular season. Like They're so good we need to reward him
0: i uh, i talked to cooper a little bit um just kind of shooting the breeze with him and he mentioned that like he first of all he was happy to be at the awards because you know it, it had been a while since he had marinated it in hockey kind of stepped away from it a little bit after they got swept in the first round but he said to me like you know i'd kind of rather not win <laughs> i mean it's i'm sure he'd like to win the award it'd be great he's, he, there have been other years in which he's deserved it but like At the end of the day, who wants to get up there and give that speech after your team got swept in the first round? Trotz wins. That's fine. He had the best story. The broadcasters vote on it. He's a really well-liked guy. There was no way he wasn't going to win. You could have made the argument for Barubi, but from, from start to finish, what Trotz did... Coming, you know, back from from the split from the Capitals after winning the Cup, and he takes over an Islanders team without Tavares and leads them to a hundred three point season. I mean, and and also two flyers of goalies. Well, yeah, and but again, like it, he he had the two things that you need to win the Jack Adams: you need a story, and you need observable results for these broadcasters that. you know, only deal with glamor stats. So when you look at their goals against average as a team and you see it go from, you know, whoop to, whoop with, it's pr- pretty straightforward. Why, why he's going to win the award with
1: exactly the same cast of defensemen minus Kelvin DeHaan.
0: Right. Exactly. And, and then, you know, with plus Robin Laner. So, uh, do we talk about enter in the masters in yet? We haven't. And you know, the other moment, I think the moment that's going to stick out to most people was
1: him giving that speech and that money quote. And I hate saying a money quote, cause it makes it just seem like you said it for, mm-hmm. I don't even know, but, I am not ashamed to say that I'm mentally ill, but that doesn't mean I'm mentally weak. And he has been such a champion. Uh, this entire season for being candid about um, what he's been through, uh, about continually being candid about it and understanding the importance of that. He said recently after he had dinner uh, the other day with the doctors who helped mm-hmm. treat him and said, you know, we're not going to name names, but there have been players who have come forward because of you. And
0: that to him is rewarding. That's really amazing. And also amazing. Like, like you mentioned his doctors, I thought, I thought it was really touching that he, he talked about Barry Trotz and, and specifically said, you know, thank you for, For, you know, seeing the human side of players, which I think is something that's always been a thing with Trotz is his ability to kind of look beyond the ice and and see these guys as human beings and deal with them on that level. Um, And then also mentioned his medical staff, which I thought was really um, a poignant moment to say, you know, for all of the talk in his speech about, you know, don't be afraid to seek out help to mention the help is pretty great. Like, yeah. But being like, look, there's like upwards of six or seven people in my life that every put, day put, are thinking about me Yeah, the, and, and put me back together. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a really, really uh, nice moment and great, a great, great, great thing for Laner. Do
1: you know, it's an interesting thing though. I want to point out too. Yeah afterwards he mentioned you know, the substance abuse program that's by the NHL and NHLPA, mm-hmm. when you enter it, it's confidential. And he broke through that confidentially voluntarily. Yeah. And he said that he feels like he's changing the game in that sense because it's the first time that the doctors could work with the team because mm-hmm. a lot of the times the team doesn't know if a player's in it. Mm-hmm. And that was so big. And I think that collaboration and that team of people around him is a support system that kept him going this year. And I just thought that was really interesting because, look, privacy is the utmost importance, especially if guys want it. But mm-hmm. if you can be open about it and you can include to all these different parties. Yeah. you have the best path going forward.
0: Yep, and his his uh, his essay in the Athletic was actually cited in the press release for the award, and uh, I'm sure that that feels great for New York Newsday, which passed on that essay. Um, Andre Vasilevsky.
1: How about those fins that came out today? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Andre Vasilevsky wins the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, the Vesna Trophy for the Tampa Bay Lightning um, again around 28 first place votes for him from the GMs. Um, only two for Ben Bishop, uh, and then Marc-Andre Fleury kind of inexplicably got a first-place vote as well. Uh, Jordan Bennington, uh two uh, second places and, th- and three third places. That's the same setup for Darcy Kemper and, uh, and then Carey Price and Pekka Rene, two second place, two third place. I'm mentioning all this because you have to get down all the way to the bottom, uh, where John Gibson, as I mentioned on, a, on the video we did uh, on, on ESPN.com after the awards, John Gibson had a, pl- a plus 28 and change Goals saved above average In the NHL this season For a good stretch of the season Before the Ducks fell apart He was the only thing Keeping them in contention Mm Single-handedly Keeping that that team in contention He got one third place vote The same amount as Jacob Markstrom Of the Vancouver Canucks
1: You can't tell right now But I'm cringing
0: I don't I mean uh, Look I'm not saying that we should take the Vezina voting away from the GMs and give it to the writers, but I'm totally saying we should take the Vezina voting away from the GMs and give it to the writers. What is that? How is that possible? It's, it's a, it's a... Here's, here's the deal. Give we'll give the lady Bing, which uh, 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 Barkoff won. To give the that, officials. give that to the officials or the players. They're the ones who know better than we do about this stuff. I've said it for years. We have no business voting for gentlemanly players because we don't even know what the term means. We don't even know who they are. We, we don't. We can't we practice. Pretend we do. Yeah, we can't practice what we preach. We're all degenerates. Um and then we'll take back we'll take the Vesina from the GMs. Take back the Vesna. And the GMs can Vezina. vote for the GM of the Year award. They can vote for their, their own. Yeah, right? Yeah.
1: So let's see who's most popular.
0: Precisely. Um
1: who's easiest to deal with on the trade call.
0: Yeah. Oh, Selkie. Did I mention the Selkie yet?
1: No, we haven't. And you were pretty upset. Yeah, I'm by... steamed
0: about this too. So we haven't had a winger win the Selkie since t- thousand and two and in, in Yuri Letten. and then uh, my first place vote was proudly cast for Mark Stone to be the first winger to win um, the award in, in the last 15 seasons. Uh, that did not happen. Ryan O'Reilly won the Selkie, which is fine. I think he was like second or third on my ballot. He's a, He's a great defensive player. No question about that. I'm a huge Ryan O'Reilly fan. I kind of feel like he won the Selkie from people that didn't want to vote him for the heart, though.
1: I kind of felt like that was the same situation Sidney Crosby was in this year, where they're like, he's had an awesome year, but it was the best he was defensively, so let's yeah. just put him on our ballot. Let's we'll put
0: him on our ballot. So I, Stone gets jobbed. I, I don't know. Uh, this was the best chance for a winger to win the award in quite some time. I don't know if another winger, w- winger will ever win the award. Maybe we split We're it off. Mark and, Stone next year. Uh, we'll, I thought it would be Mark Stone this year. This was his moment.
1: Do you know what there's a really good transition for? What's that? Our next guest.
0: Mark <laughs> Stone. <laughs> Let's talk to Mark Stone about a great many things as we talk. We actually talked to him before this crushing defeat, so we don't know how he's feeling, but we'll hope we'll hope for the best. Here's Mark Stone.
1: I want to begin because I heard you're a dog person. Yeah,
2: a huge dog person.
1: You have two golden retrievers? I do,
2: and I have a mutt who's more of a black lab.
1: Okay. One thing with professional athletes that I think a lot of fans don't realize is when you guys move, it's really difficult to move your animals.
2: Yeah. It wasn't easy. Um basically just had to bite the bullet and get them a plane out here.
1: And there's certain restrictions too, right? If the tarmac is a certain heat, you can't travel with them, right?
2: Yeah, that was basically the main reason why I had to do do the private plane was vegas was so hot and ottawa was so cold so um the temperature difference was uh, was a big issue
1: what do you do with your dogs over the summer you bring them to your lake house
2: we do yeah my uh, my parents have a place in winnipeg my girlfriend has a pl- uh, her parents have a place in ottawa so uh we're always up and up and back and forth uh, with the cottages, and um they absolutely love it that's their favorite place
1: now that the season is over have you time to reflect on just how crazy it's been
2: <laughs> yes and no um I've been in a lot of different cities and a lot of different places to play for three or four different teams. So, um, but I don't think I could have been put in a better situation. So, uh, being here in Vegas has uh, made my transition seem seamless.
1: When you sign up for an extension, eight years, that's a long time. Yeah. What, what do you think when you think that, like, what are some things going through your mind? Like, I guess we got to buy a house. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had to kind of think about that stuff before, uh, before I got treated, uh, and sure enough, when Vegas had a treat and, and to, to get me, it was uh, upon finding an extension or agreeing on an extension. So um, I had to make that decision in 25 minutes. And uh, I knew that Vegas was one place that I really wanted to go. I uh, was able to get that done and, and I got to have some fun uh, searching for a house. And ultimately, we found the perfect one for, for me, my girlfriend and my dogs.
1: Why Why did you think it was perfect or what are the spots that you would consider?
2: Um, Vegas was number one for me. Uh, I knew the assistant GM here now, our GM. Um, I knew that uh, the type of people that he works with and, and, and hires, and um, they're always great people. So um, for him to come here and leave his, his, his basically his baby uh, in Brandon, uh, I knew that this was a pretty special place.
1: So you went to the World Championships and had a pretty good tournament. Who's one player either on your team, Team Canada, or another team that really impressed you? Like, holy cow, this guy's really good.
2: Uh, There's plenty of guys. Um, Probably got to... I got to play with Pierre-Luc Dubois in Columbus um, on a line with him uh, when he came over. Uh, You kind of don't really know how good these these younger guys are, but playing with him, you realize how special he was.
1: What's your biggest takeaway from that tournament?
2: Um... If there's lots of good players playing, uh, not just in the NHL. Uh, if you look at the team that we lost to in the final, we only have two guys in the NHL and bad as it sounds I guess they don't really want to trip anybody but neither of them scored a goal in the NHL so um, the team that won the world championships uh, had zero combined goals in the National Hockey League so it just shows how good hockey's become not just in, in the NHL but in, in all the other leagues.
1: Uh, we're nearing up an NHL draft do you remember the NHL draft process for you and in interviewing with different teams well?
2: I didn't interview with any teams. Really? <laughs> no. Why? Because I never got invited to the Combine. You weren't
1: invited to the Combine. I didn't know this. This no. is terrible research. <laughs> it's all right. Terrible recon. Were you pissed?
2: Uh, I guess at the time, yeah. But if I'm looking back on it now, I got to avoid uh, all that uh Big of a gong show, so yeah, uh, really happy with the, how things turned out.
1: So I used to cover the NFL, and the big thing was what are the crazy questions that they're going to ask in the interviews? I didn't realize it was a thing in the NHL too.
2: Yeah, I guess I couldn't tell you. Yeah,
1: or any <laughs> have you ever heard any war, horror stories of anyone to asked anything crazy? Um, you have the name names.
2: No, I had one good story you know, from our GM here. Um, pulled one guy aside, knew he was a good person, but uh, he made a few uh, mistakes in his, in his career so far, and, and sure enough, the guy's had a crazy, good, success, successful career, um, hmm. and he's with us in Vegas now. Who's that? Oh, I'm not going to bet
1: If you could have one dream endorsement with one company, what would it be?
2: Oh, wow. Um, It'd probably be a golf company. I'm not sure which one. There's yeah. too many good ones.
1: That's, you know, it's pretty self-serving. You get some free gear. and Yeah,
2: exactly. You get new clubs every year. Yeah. Balls whenever you want, all that stuff.
1: Was the golf scene here in Vegas one of the perks of living here?
2: Definitely a perk, yeah. Uh, I love golfing. Uh, There's tons of nice courses, uh, and they always take care of us. Uh, We're always able to get on most of the courses here. Uh, The people here are, are so happy that we're here, and we're so happy to be here, so it works both ways.
1: Who's the best golfer on the Golden Knights?
2: Um... I haven't seen anybody better than me yet so uh, until I find that I'll, I'll say myself
1: that was so Canadian and humble <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding yeah,
2: I know but just being honest
1: yeah who's the worst golfer
2: um, I'm not sure I haven't played with everybody but there's got to be
1: a probably the guys that don't European come out with you guys that
2: aren't very good
1: okay some
2: of them don't usually play they the checks are, are usually bad so maybe no sex pretty bad okay I would think
1: okay they just don't grow up with it
2: yeah I just don't think they play golf that much so.
1: that makes sense uh-huh. uh, are you a big FaceTime guy?
2: Uh, yes and no. Yeah. I can usually call my mom on FaceTime if I'm going to call her, but other than that, not really.
1: Do you find some of the younger guys on your team are just always FaceTiming, either their buddies or each other? Um, I Seems- can
2: find the older guys who are usually FaceTiming their kids. Okay. That's the big one.
1: See, one of the things I've learned, yeah, it's either guys playing their kids, but I've learned that a lot of teenagers or young guys in the NHL just spend hours on the phone, like their preferred mode of communication.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe some guys just got the honeymoon stage and they're FaceTime their girlfriends or something, I'm not sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: I don't usually FaceTime that much. Uh,
1: what do you do on the plane?
2: Uh, usually just sit there, to be honest with you. It's really weird, but uh, sit there and listen to music. Okay, pretty much. you but, just stare like, ahead? Yeah, usually.
1: Do people try to get you in the card games, and you're just?
2: I'm less fair, I guess. If they really need somebody okay. to play, but I'm not huge. I don't like that commitment of having to play every every trip. Mm-hmm. It's like resting.
1: What do you think a modern NHL coach, if you had to have one attribute that they need to have, what do you think it is?
2: Um, I don't know. It's different now. I think coaches have to be able to relate to to the guys and a little bit. So I, I think there, it's it's nice to know that the coach knows what we're going through. Uh, it kind of makes it a lot easier on us.
1: So, so it kind of sometimes helps that they're a former player. For sure.
2: I think it's. I think you definitely want to have a former player on your staff, or at least somebody who's played pro hockey. Uh, obviously the best players always aren't the best coaches, but uh, just to have somebody on the staff helps, I think.
1: So people talk about Gerard Gu a lot as a player's coach. Can you think of any examples? Like, why do people say that?
2: I mean, you can get, he can get mad at you. Uh, he can crucify you. And five minutes later, it's done with um, I think he has that relationship with his players where everybody kind of knows that um if you mess up he's gonna let you know but uh, he's obviously you know, he's not he's gonna give you another chance so um i think for him it's it's nice to kind of get yelled at and reamed out every here and there but um, once it's over it's over
1: were you chewed out this year at any point
2: um not 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 yet <laughs> uh, i think it was maybe a little bit too new but um uh, i'm sure at some point i'll get it
1: and last thing what are your plans this summer
2: uh, I'm going home, or going back to Ottawa, then I'm going home to uh, Winnipeg, and I spent time with mom and dad uh, for about a month and a half, and then I'll come back here in September. All
1: right, not last thing, because you mentioned your dad. I heard he might have been a former sports writer, is that true? He was, yeah. Does He's that Sault Marie. Okay, Does he still a sports writer? No. Okay. He was
2: only there for like five, six years, I think. Okay. Then, yeah, this is... The story is, he, his intern was Bob McKenzie, so. So he taught him
1: everything he knew? Yeah,
2: <laughs> so my dad will say that, but, uh, once he left, uh, Bob took his job, and then now Bob McKenzie Bob McKenzie.
1: That's hilarious. And what does your dad do now?
2: Uh, he's retired now, but he worked, uh, for Standard Aero in, uh, aircraft engines, uh, and helping right. sell Does
1: that give you appreciation for what I do?
2: Yeah,
1: it does. As a sports writer? Yeah. Yeah, I can tell in your eyes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Our thanks to Mark Stone of the Vegas Golden Knights for joining us on ESPN on Ice, uh, one of uh, many guests that'll be coming up in the next two weeks. Uh, like we mentioned, Victor had been coming up in a bit. Wanted to close out the awards by talking about the presentation of the awards, as in what did the show look like? Uh Keenan Thompson was your host. We mentioned off the top, he's amazing. He did really good, I felt. It was it was interesting to see someone who is an actual like sketch performer host the show that is essentially a series of sketches. So most of them worked. I got my Good Burger reunion with Kel Mitchell. You've been wanting that. I've been talking about it incessantly. The Charles Barkley character and Barry Bettman bit was pretty funny. Can
1: we talk about the fact that Gary Bettman over the last year or two has had a huge, I'd say seismic, public image change? Yes. He's fun Barry now. Fun he's, Gary.
0: He's fun Gary. He's even Barry. He, and and he, I mean, he touched, his, he touched his arm a little bit too much in that, that segment. I don't know why. Um but he was very funny. He was a good straight man. Uh, the, the Phil Hartman, if you will, to Keenan Thompson's uh Keenan Thompson.
1: He was a little inside baseball, but I think the person who has the biggest influence on that is Steve Mayer, who's mm-hmm. joined the NHL, what, two or three years ago now?
0: And he's the architect of this very show we're talking about.
1: Yeah, so kudos to Steve Mayer for all that.
0: Yep. Uh LeVar ball sketch, pretty funny. Yeah. So to- On the
1: nose, on you know what? Very anti NHL,
0: like very on trend on the moment. Yeah, very odd that like um talking about another sport. Can we point out the irony that the NHL wouldn't put on the Raptors game at their press party in St. Louis, but yet would have an NBA sketch on their awards. So. Okay.
1: We don't know if that was actually the NHL or just the <laughs> bar staff who was just scared of the NHL. All
0: right. Wink, wink. Um, so anyways, uh, the uh, that was all funny. Um, Thomas Middleditch brought out his Tony Babcock character that he did at an LA Kings game And um, for most of these segments, they were not good.
1: Mm -mm.
2: But
0: then he did one with Sidney Crosby that was really good. The
1: one with Connor McDavid I found painful because Connor McDavid, too, has come out of his shell lately showing a bit comedic timing and things like that. His uh, commercial, by the way, with his brother for the Toronto airport, Uh one of my favorite commercials. It's a funny commercial. It's a great commercial. He was not funny with the sketch. No,
0: he was not funny in the sketch, but Sid was was really – like, Sid was a good sort of just, like, a good sport. Like, he didn't really have to do anything, but, like, the middle just jokes about – I believe he, he mentioned, uh, like Sid has juicy lips, uh, going into like the robotic nature of Sid. He feeds pudding to old people from his hand. Like there was a number of really highly incredibly, specific. incredibly <laughs> funny jokes. And so I was down with that. Um, overall it was great. They shot two confetti cannons. I mean, w- what else do you need? Uh, we put it out to the, uh, readers, um, and 2,100 of them responded as we do this podcast. Uh, I said grade it with a letter. Twitter only allows you to go with four, so there was no Fs. We spared the NHL that indignity. Thirty-five um, percent said A, thirty-six percent said B, and that is way higher than you'd usually find for this award show. I'm going to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's got a high Q rating, high likability factor. Yeah. Like you said, he's a sketch performer doing sketch things, yep. and he did them well.
0: He did them well, and also, you know, you had pretty good like presenters. Like John Hamm was John Hamm. That's pretty. He had a couple good
1: celebrity. You know, it began with them um, timing fake timing with John Krasinski mm-hmm. on the couch, looking yeah. really unkempt. Yeah. That was great.
0: Can we, can we just basically say that if the Blues didn't win the Cup, the show would have sucked because all the people that were in like the Blues universe, John Hamm, Jenna Fisher, were just there, the Cup was there, O'Reilly was good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a very heavy Blues crowd too. Yeah like oh. 10 times the amount of blues fans and Panthers fans. Mm-hmm.
0: And also a great line about how Gary Bettman loved the blues winning the award because he didn't know if they were blueing or booing mm-hmm. at, when he came out to get the cup or maybe not a great line, but it was a clever line. Um, so yeah, so I dug the NHL awards. I, I they, they moved into the Mandalay Bay, um, which was good for the show, maybe not so good for us, because we were in a room where I was pretty sure that there were booby traps that were going to kill us by the end of the night. It was and a
1: really depressing room. It was a
0: sketchy, depressing, temporary, walled room.
1: The last time I was in a room like that, I was taking my driver's license test for Illinois, the written <laughs> test, which, by the way, is very hard to pass when you're 27 years old and haven't thought about street signs that are black and white. Anyway, that's what it felt like.
0: Oh, yeah, well, t- try to pass the driver's test when you're 42 years old and just moved to California, and all the questions are about motorcycles. Oh. It's always really good. Um, what do you, or, or not motorcycles, but also bikes. That was like the taking the driver's test. Like, what do you do with a bike? I don't know. I've, I've never had Hit to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't know how they do things in Illinois. But um, what was your overall impression of the award, show? That you've seen one? I thought it was
1: fun. You know, I, I think a lot of this is a bit manufactured and navel gazing and all of that. Did and- you
0: think the carry Price thing was manufactured? How'd you feel about that? I saw some, some backlash that it was like you're trotting out a kid out on stage that you know is just gonna cry.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a tear-jerking uh, induced moment, mm-hmm. uh, but it was sweet and and seeing the connection that those two had, you obviously in that viral video, um, and just replicated here was pretty special. And yeah, I, you know, it was a little bit cheesy, but like I said, this is a manufactured event. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's manufactured fun. It's manufactured speeches. It's also manufactured tears.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think overall they did the thing that you got to do at these awards fill which was not ask the players to do a lot. Yeah. I mean and they
1: really didn't. They really didn't. It was
0: the bare minimum. If you can if you can b- b- boil this thing down to just stand there and take it and if they're willing to do that by all means you got yourself a show. So that's all you need. Um all right, come here. Here's, a, here's our show. Here's our show, and and our next guest is someone that I love talking to. I've always I've loved talking to this guy since he was a rookie. And I still remember talking to him at the draft and finding out that he was uh, training to be a pilot, which was like, oh, okay, that's something I've never heard from an NHL draft pick before. Uh, Victor Hedman's a good dude. We get into a lot of stuff about the uh, Blue Jackets series, and also at the end, talk about how how he feels about his pirate friend Eric Carlson. Not being in Tampa <laughs> stick your head with. tell me tell me about the few days after after this Columbus series is done. what do you do? How do you decompress how do you how do you forget about it
3: well, i don't know uh, you know, looking back at it, I was obviously hurt at the time, and you know I think the toughest part is when you're not able to be out there and you know be with the guys and going through that battle, but uh, you know your are just empty you know you don't really know what to do from all of a sudden you know being all jacked up and ready for the playoffs and to, to having nothing you know it's, it's it's a tough side when you're involved in sports you know when it's over you know you got that empty feeling mm-hmm. everyone except St. Louis obviously this year have that feeling so uh you know we're uh it's just a tough few days and it takes a while before you're going to refocus and get ready for next year and uh you know a good thing about this sport and you know being able to to stay in this league is that it's always next year and you can always you know you haven't had a chance at it next year so it's uh, you gotta put positive thoughts in your in your head and uh, just look forward and learn from your mistakes
0: outside of not having victor heaven on the ice what was your what was your diagnosis for that series and the way it went
3: well the diagnosis is you know it's it's, it's so many things that you can point on but uh you know, we played against a great team. They got a lot of momentum, I think, after winning that first game, after us being up 3 nothing, and they came back and won that game. And You know, they gained momentum, and, uh, you know, we played a terrible terrible second game, I think. And, you know, then game threes and fours, you know, they got early lead, and, you know, they played great. You know, they played great. They didn't take any unnecessary risks. They played simple, and, uh, you know, they played hard, and, um, you know, they were obviously the better team for for those four games so two things about that so the first is
0: i agree with you on game two that seems yeah. to me where the series turned and a lot of people around the team and around the series at the time were thinking that you guys you guys walked into that game thinking okay we're just we dropped one we'll win two and then and then you didn't and then it maybe knocked you on your ass but, i mean it's fair to say that that's kind of the way it went
3: well it's always tough to, to lose the first two at home but you know we went through the same thing against Washington in the conference finals the years before you know mm-hmm. you lose the first two at home and you know we we're still confident you know we were going to win game three and then you lost game three you know we're confident about winning game four and you know it's just a tough it's a tough sport and so many good teams out there and Columbus is a it's a great team they play hard and made some great additions at the, at the deadline and uh, you know great goaltending so uh, you know it's, it's just so small like the you know, the details and, you know, the difference in the league is, is so is so is so small. And, you know, they obviously got the better of us uh, for, for, for those games. And, you know, we uh, we learn from that and uh, make sure that we're ready to go next season.
0: The other thing about it, though, is that, you know, like you said, they Columbus plays hard. Two teams in the final, they're meat and potatoes straight ahead, hard hockey teams. Do you feel that there's been a shift in how you win the Cup away from what you guys do best? Or... Is there a philosophical thing going on right now with you guys at all about these things? Or I
3: don't know. You know, you look at the year before. Wash is, uh, is a skilled team, but they obviously still got some 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 heavy bodies up front and, mm-hmm. and on the back end. But uh, you know, you can look at it you know, in different ways. You know, it's uh, you know those two teams uh, deserve to be where they were, and uh, you know it's not a fluke that you make it all the way to the finals. So. Uh, you know, we look at that, and um, you know, maybe we can learn something from that. But you know, we got our team, and we're happy with the team that we have, and we believe in our group that we're going to be the ones that pull through and uh, get ready for for next year, and hopefully go all the way.
0: All right, we're in Vegas. You've been coming here for a bit. Yeah. Was it was your first time nominated? The first time you were in Vegas, or had you come here before?
3: No, that was the first time in Vegas. That was before the team. The team came in the year after. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that was my first time in Vegas, and. It was eye opening. Yeah, right. It was eye
0: opening. Yeah. Is it still a kick to come here, even though there's a team here now, or is it? Yeah, still- it is. Yeah, it yeah. Is. you
3: know, it's it's it's, uh, it's a fun city, obviously, and you know, great hockey, and you know, their team is obviously phenomenal. Their fan base is phenomenal, and you know, it's been two great games. Uh, I did, yeah, I got hurt in the second game, but
0: the first game was incredible. Like I yeah. remember that first game when you guys came here. Yeah because they were streaking and you were streaking yeah. it was like best on best yeah was they the scored game. four
3: power play goals on this. Yeah.
0: and they scored that goal real late too
3: Point yeah, seven seconds left. Yeah. So.
0: Oh, not that you remember it or anything
3: no <laughs> I remember those kind of games you know
0: <laughs> yeah it was the environment because the atmosphere here was yeah. insane yeah that game. Is, and, yeah,
3: you know the second game as well uh, even though I got destroyed by by, by Reeves <laughs> well. you know and exit the game you know we won that game and it's not an easy building to come in and, and, and win so uh, you know like I said earlier they have a great team and Made some great additions uh, again, you know, with Stone and uh, you know those guys, and uh, you know just a fun team to follow, and uh, you know excited to see what is going to happen with Seattle.
0: How many games do you remember? Do you remember every game
3: you played, or just, just not really? Ones? Yes, some games stand out. Obviously, first game against Vegas, you know, we, you know it was, uh, it was a fun game, and uh, mm-hmm. you know back and forth. And I just remember they scored four power play goals, and, <laughs> you know.
0: Because on the PK, so of question you remember four exactly. <laughs> And <laughs>
3: right. I was on the ice for probably three of them. So, uh, you know, that was, a, that was a great game. And, you know, you remember a few games. First NHL game, you remember. You know, but if you're going to remind me about games, then it will come back to me. Right, probably. right, so, right.
0: Yeah. When you're here, it seems like such an amazing time to hang out with guys you might not get a chance to hang out with otherwise. Or is it more you're hanging out with friends and family when you're in Vegas?
3: I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 a long it's a long flight from Sweden to get over here, and I got in <laughs> last night, and you know, you get in at nine o'clock. I was in bed at ten o'clock and up at four o'clock in the morning. So, uh, you know, the time difference is nine, so nine hours. So it's it's a little bit of a hike, but it's always so much fun to get you know, to come here and you know to be around you know fellow countrymen and teammates and. You know, friends and family, like I said, and uh, yes have a good time, go to nice dinners, and, and, and have fun. And uh, yes, have fun. Uh, you know, it's so humbling to be here, and for me to be here three years in a row is, yeah. uh, you know, it's very humbling. For me. Did this one surprise you, getting a getting nomination been, this year? Yeah, a little bit. Just because you think, had been in the mix last yeah, couple years, yeah. A lot of guys had great seasons, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from, from being nominated, but, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a surprise, but uh, at the same time, you know, very humbling. and you know, I still believe that it, uh, I can play on a high level and I uh, still believe that it, uh, I have the best ahead of me as well. So, uh, you know, it's just for me to, to, to keep, getting, uh, keep getting better and uh, get ready for next season.
0: All right, finally, we're one day removed from Eric Carlson re-signing with San Jose. Everybody was hoping for a Pirate Boy reunion. <laughs> What's up? Coochie. Hey, are Coochie?
3: Just one second.
0: Uh, what are you are you are you bummed are you bummed that we couldn't make it work with eric coming to tampa
3: not really i mean it's you know bottom line it's you know it's out of my control and you know me and eric are very very close friends obviously but uh i know how much he liked it in san jose and you know they were close to being in the finals this year and uh, you know he's got the, the great contract that he uh very much deserves so uh you know i'm just very happy for him and he's happy there his wife's happy there so it's a good it's a good mix so uh, he's very happy so hopefully you can see each other in june and, uh, and have a good fight about uh you know for the Santa
0: yeah, Cup. eight years and 11 plus per can be pretty convincing to a guy to stay out in san jose
3: yeah and uh, <laughs> you know he deserves it too and yeah. he said uh you know he's a two-time norris winner and uh, you know obviously last season was tough with him uh, you know being hurt a lot but uh you know, it's always fun to, to, to see a fellow Swede, uh, succeed and, you know, being a guy that I've been close with since we're 15, 16 years old too is obviously very happy for him and, like I said earlier, he's, he's very, very, very happy to be there and, uh, you know, I couldn't be happy for him.
0: Our thanks to Victor Hedman and the Tampa Bay Lightning for uh, that conversation. Uh, as you heard, we got into a little bit about Eric Carlson, a couple of big big deals, big doings uh, since our last podcast. Uh, Eric Carlson, the Derby is over before it even began.
1: It was so anticlimactic.
0: Boy, was it uh, a an eight year, ninety two million dollar contract uh, with the uh, San Jose Sharks to remain in San Jose. Uh, his total salary in in year one. million. I'm starting to understand why he re-signed with San Jose. But also, like, you gotta give kudos to to Doug Wilson. Like, it was not a guarantee. No. Eric Carlson was gonna stay in the Bay Area. And he gave up assets for him. He comes to San Jose. Uh, everybody assumed it was going to be a one-done deal, and the one was was you know graded incomplete because he got hurt and he, could, he you know didn't get that thing in the playoffs that he thought he was going to get of 55 minutes of Brent Burns and Eric Carlson playing dominant hockey because Carlson was so hurt with the with the groin and the whole thing. Um, but by acquiring him a year out, exposing him to the organization, um, and quite doing
1: frankly, a year-long recruiting pitch,
0: yeah, and, and quite frankly, any organization is going to look pretty good against the Senators. Um, and then, and then kind of exposing him to the Bay Area, where obviously you have guys like Thornton Marlowe that have been there forever, or, or had been there forever until Marlowe left, uh, and never wanted to leave because they love living there so much. Something clicked. And, and maybe, maybe it's as simple as, as, as knowing that no one else is gonna, it could give them eight years, and maybe no one else is gonna even give them seven years. But Eric Carlson said, I wanna be a shark, and the shark said, we're gonna pay a lot of money to be a shark, and now comes the fun part. Figuring out how the hell they're going to afford him.
1: Yeah, you know, I still don't believe that he should be in the Western Conference. I think the travel is too harsh for his body. I think the game just doesn't isn't as conducive as the Eastern Conference is, but he's comfortable there, his wife's comfortable there, and yeah, like you said, they're going to have to figure that stuff out. The other big move that happened was Jacob Truba, the mm-hmm. inevitable divorce in the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about family situations, I think he won a lot of hearts over. He did a Q&A or a question Boy, with Ken Webe, and he mentioned the fact that his fiance wife fiance Girlfriend. Uh,
0: wh- uh, wife. Partner. Yeah.
1: Uh She is a resident, mm-hmm. and she is going to become a doctor one day, and it's hard for her to get work in Canada. And he said her career is just as important to mine. And that was just really special to hear. But anyway, he goes to the New York uh, Rangers, and everyone's first instinct when they look at the steel is... Holy cow. After all of that, that's all you get for Jacob Truba? Yeah. You get Neil Pionk, who, okay, let's face it, was a pleasant surprise this year, was totally overused because of the situation, was playing way too many minutes. Probably his underlying numbers are bad, especially because he was playing in a competition he shouldn't be playing against, but mm-hmm. he's like a B-less prospect, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an undrafted free agent, and his ceiling might not be that high. They get the number 20 pick that they had traded away already, and
0: that's about it. Well, and the more you, I agree, like, I thought that, that at first the return was atrocious, but then the more you think about it, you're like, all right. What leverage did they have? They didn't have any leverage. Like, uh, and you could blame Kevin Day off in a way for this because I remember being at the World Cup of Hockey in 2016 and conversations happening at that point about Jacob Trouba wanting to come back to the United States and play.
1: Yeah, well, that's when he requested a trade formally, which he later rescinded. Right,
0: and then, and then, you know, they, they give him like a, a little bridge contract, the whole thing. Um, and and like. Um Maybe if he jumps on this earlier and, and resolves the situation, the return is is larger than it wound up being. But then again, you know you're the Winnipeg Jets. They had a legit shot the last few years to maybe win the cup, um, and so maybe there's an argument to keep him around. And then while you're also working on him and hoping that maybe he decides to stay. Bottom line is that you know you are not only dealing with a market where who can. Who has the assets that could they could offer up for Truva? Then who has the cap space to sign Truva? Then will Truva sign there? Yeah, And and so once you get down to that, I mean, you're talking about a really small window of teams.
1: Well, it's interesting that three teams from the same metropolitan area seem to be the finalists. Indeed. Two points I want to make. One, I was a bit surprised. I felt like the way this was trending, and the trend that I see in sports lately, is keeping your own rentals. Mm-hmm. We kind of saw it with the Toronto Raptors. I don't want to make the NBA versus NHL comparison. <laughs> but seriously, Kawhi Leonard, you bring him in, you have no guarantee that he's going to play more than one season. We're saying, right. we're going for it this one year right. with him. We're making a huge deal. Right. You see it this year with the Columbus Blue Jackets. You and saw it with worked- John Severus John, and, John Tavares right. and the Islanders. Anyway, you keep your own rental and you kind of bank on yourself. And I was kind of surprised that the Jets didn't do that, uh, considering, look, I consider him a, a top-pairing defenseman. I know some people have some debate about that. Uh, but I do want to talk about this from the Rangers' perspective. It's a home run. It's a win. They're yep. about to be the toast of the NHL this week. They're going to get the number two pick, which they can't lose. Yeah. Either you get the American Center, which you're not going to, or you get the guy who's probably going to win they call their next year because he's going to score <laughs> yeah. 40 goals. Yeah. You have all this cap space. All of a sudden, you're going to be talking about the big free agents we're going to sign there. You maybe have that cornerstone guy like Jacob Trouba, who's still so young and mm-hmm. can bridge you from right now to contending. Yeah. And all of a sudden, holy cow, this rebuild was such a win, and you might still be able to win with Henry Lundqvist in net.
0: Yeah, and and the and the interesting thing with the Rangers right now is that like you can. You could, I mean, I I assume they're going to go hard for Panarin. I think Panarin yeah. is a good fit there. Um, but you look at their situation right now. I mean, Kreider, Nemestikov, VC—they're um, on the trade block. They're on the trade block because they've got one year left in their contract. So even if if they don't move them you're still going to have the opportunity to completely continue to remake this roster in a dramatic way. It's, it's a, it's a great position for them to be in. And it kills me to say that as a devil's fan. Uh, speaking of, of metropolitan rivalries, uh, one of the after effects of the Eric Carlson signing was the trade of Justin Braun to the Philadelphia Flyers, um, uh, for a second and a third, which is a pretty good return for a guy that, wasn't all that good last year. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Um but uh but that that would be a very specious decision and maybe the most specious decision were it not for the fact that Kevin Hayes a player that I know a lot of people like more than I do who I think I'll is a more than you do. very serviceable third, uh, I mean a very good third line defense uh third line center <laughs> a a not
1: not so good third line defense
0: yeah, a not so great second line center in my opinion. He's got some versatility up front. But he is now the, I believe it's 18th highest paid center in the National Hockey League based on cap hit. The cap hit for him is $7.142 and change for the next seven years with a full no move clause in the next three years, which means that he's not eligible for the expansion draft. Um, I know that unrestricted free agency is bat poop crazy when it comes to overcompensation, but by God, this is overcompensation for Kevin Hayes.
1: It is, but you have to also (laughs) consider their perspective. Here's Chuck Fletcher. He comes and inherits a team that's Almost good enough to win, but not quite. He needs to make some splashes. Mm-hmm. You go and you acquire this guy's rights. You have the first licks at him in free agency. Mm-hmm. You get in the world. You can afford it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like what they're doing. I like him a little better than you do. I think he's a rugged player. He plays a he goes in the dirty areas and plays mm-hmm. that kind of game. And I think he will help them come playoff time.
0: I think he's the classic good experience guy. for his age. I think he's the classic guy that looks like he he should play harder than he does. I also think that if you're Nolan Patrick, you're like, what in the hell is happening here with them acquiring a center like that? I mean. I imagine when you're paying a guy $7.1 million, you're probably paying him second-line center money, and Nolan Patrick's got to be like, what's going on here, man?
1: I don't think they're trying to shop Nolan Patrick per se, but if the offer came about, <laughs> and Chuck Fletcher was presented with an opportunity he just could not refuse. Mm-hmm. I, uh, last thing that I want to talk about. Oh, yeah. did you have one more thought on this?
0: No, I I, I don't. I uh, I think the Flyers fans have every right to be a little bit specious right now, but again, if if it's if you ra- I'd much rather be a Flyers fan than I would be a Wild fan right now is is my general point.
1: You know what? Kudos to Jason Zucker, by the way. Yeah, he comes here, wins a community award, is awesome, mm-hmm. and probably wants to punch his GM in the face. Uh But the guy I want to talk about last was Jumbo Joe, who oh, comes yeah. here with swagger mm-hmm. and gets up there and just says, "Retire me, get out of town." He,
0: he says he's going to play for the next five to ten years. Uh which is real Mark Giordano talk at the end of the day. Uh um, real
1: Tom Brady talk at the end of the
0: day. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe maybe uh maybe Jumbo has a, a little in inroads with that uh avocado
1: that, ice cream with that with machine? that trainer
0: who injects uh, stem cells into uh Tom Brady's uh, cerebral cortex. Uh-huh.
1: It's all the avocado ice cream. To keep
0: him young um yeah it was a great moment I, it was funny covering the sharks get a getaway day because it was basically all the sharks being like yeah joe's coming back and joe being like i gotta see guys gotta see how my all bodies feeling mm-hmm. but uh, here he kind of let uh, let loose what he's going to be back justin williams kind of leaving it open as far as like what his future mm-hmm. is going to be whether or not he's going to be back with carolina or maybe even retire um but good to see joe back they're obviously going to be going for it in a big way next year the big question is whether the other joe will be joining him in joe pavelski or else they maybe can't afford him um Last topic of conversation. As soon as we get, out this, get done with this podcast, it's going to be uh, some beverages, maybe some uh, rolling of bones at the crabs table for at least one of us. And
1: uh, hey, don't call me out like that, Greg. <laughs>
0: <God>. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, cool. and then, early flights to Vancouver for the NHL entry draft in Vancouver. The entire NHL, or almost the entire uh, NHL editorial staff at ESPN will be there uh to cover it on mass if you're not following Chris Peters on Twitter I don't understand what the hell you're not doing. why you're not cuz yeah. he's great he's so pure and any he, and he's going to be covering the hell out of the prospects he's to amazing. allow me and Emily to run around and do trades and stuff um, I talked with Ray Shiro that Q&A went up on espn.com on Wednesday we did not talk about Jack Hughes or Capilacco specifically to kind of let them allow them to have this moment i i, I do get the feeling there's been some internal debate um, Ray laughed off the idea that Hughes would be the choice simply because he's American and Ray is, you know, Mr. A USA USA hockey. Guy. Um, I find it hard to imagine they're not taking Hughes, but the door is at least slightly ajar as far as what they may end up doing. Um, but you, I mean, Hughes first probably, right?
1: I think you got to go with the set of hearts. Honestly, I think you got to go with the guy who's been talked about for so long as the number one pick for us. Like, right. I think that's more yeah, the bigger it issue was, here. It
0: was definitely lose for Hughes and not crap out for Kako. Yeah. It was definitely that. Um, I would say the, the other intrigue for me would be the third pick with Chicago, who was really going to kind of set up what happens for the next few picks. Uh for a long time Alex Turcott seemed like he was gonna be the choice, but now you're telling me that the Bowen Byram train might be chugging through Chicago.
1: No, oh, This is what I've heard. I heard that he was so impressive at the combine that people are saying this is like the next Campus prospect. He's an incredible defenseman. I know the Blackhawks have a surplus of capable mm-hmm. defensive prospects and, you know, might have to eventually move some, but hey, what team wouldn't want that problem?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the one I'm really interested in is Cole Caulfield, who has scored a bajillion goals for the U.S. He's on the de-
1: next Alex DeBrickett. De-
0: development team. Um, he is going to be around at around at number eight, one assumes for the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know if he is. You think he might get sw- yeah. swallowed up by either Detroit or Buffalo?
1: I think Detroit just makes a lot of sense. Well,
0: if he's there, I, I would love to see Edmonton take him to see what he does with someone like Connor or Drysidle. But I also, and you know, we didn't talk about Corey Perry getting bought out. I don't think he's got anything left. I think he's the next Danny, Danny Heatley. I think he's just a guy who whose numbers have fallen off a cliff and he's just not the same player that he was in a, in a, in a speed league. That said... I'm like a little curious like if you went to Edmonton what would happen if you stuck him with with Connor Who is to say pure pure goal scorer with the greatest playmaker in the game I, I, I might take a flyer on that. But but again, I don't, I, don't, I mean, it, it, depending on what he's looking for, you might end up with another Luchich on that roster, just like dead weight. So you don't want to do that. But, uh, you know. Alright. NHL draft this weekend should be a fun time. As per usual, all of the uh, rumor and innuendo is that there's going to be a lot of trades and movement. We hear that every year.
1: There's not going to be anything.
0: Um, no, <laughs> there'll be some. I think there's teams that are, especially with the cap not growing. Being uncertain. Yeah. Or being
1: Un- uncertain. Being uncertain,
0: Saturday. right. Uh, and then also not growing at the rate that, that maybe people thought it would. There are definitely going to be teams that are going to have to make some tough decisions, and then you're going to have teams kind of like the Devils a couple years ago with the Marcus Johansson trade that are just going to be waiting under the tree with a basket to see what fruit falls off. Um, I think you'll see those kinds of trades. I do wonder about anything bolder than that, but we'll see. Um, if you're in Vancouver and want to say hi, please do. Emily and I will be there with Chris on uh, Friday and Saturday. Um and, uh, it should be a fun time. Vancouver's a kicking town. I haven't been there in a minute. I think last time I was there was probably the Olympics.
1: I haven't been there ever. And I commissioned my boys from the radio station to do, commission an oyster and beer tour. So let's see if oh, they come through. That
0: sounds good. And then, um, yeah, it should be a good time. But anyway, no, uh, no headlines. No, uh, Phil Kessel loves hot dogs. It is a very loosey goosey, as you can tell, uh, post award show where it is only, um, 8.51 local time, but legit feels like it's three o'clock in the morning.
1: There may or may not be a beer in front of each of us.
0: Yeah. And, and also Vegas has us, uh, to quote the, the hangover. Um, that's ESPN on ice for this week. We'll probably do another show when we're in Vancouver, kind of boast draft. Oh, keep this in mind, ladies and gentlemen. July 1st, if you're not made your plans, please recall that, uh, there is a simulcast of TSN's coverage on, um, ESPN two i believe um maybe maybe full day on plus and then the last couple hours on two i forget how they're working it but we'll have your tsn coverage everybody loves james duffy and bobby mack and and uh, all those cats uh you know will be on the air and then emily and i will be in bristol together to hopefully do our own video work and also podcast stuff to cover all the uh big doings on july 1st hopefully get some finality on that new shane that day at the very least and uh, yeah, that's the show. I'm Greg Wyshynski. You can uh, find my Q&A with uh, Ray Shiro on uh, ESPN.com and then also a couple of columns about uh, various and sundry things that are going to be on the site by the time you hear this.
1: And I'm Emily Kaplan at M. Kaplan. Bye. Bye. This has been ESPN on Ice with Wyshynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.